in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Remember when racism used to be a really bad thing to be? A racist is a terrible thing to be, to judge people on things they can't control, right? Racism is awful. Um, but we, in a weird way, kind of took the edge out of racism. When you start accusing everything and everyone of being racist, well, then nothing is racist. You know what I mean? It was so overused. It became a, It became the new way of calling somebody a jerk. Hey, I'm watching my dad right now, Ray Kelly, talking about uh, the quality of life declining here in New York City. He's on Fox News, uh, looking very good. Painting behind him is one that uh, hung in my house for uh, when I was a kid. <laughs> Just I love seeing the little knickknacks. But the quality of life is uh, plummeting, and I'll have, oh, my gosh, it's wild to see what the fake news, even the local fake news. You used to thought that the that the local people were somehow apolitical. They're not. No way. Uh, it's very much 2024. Deja vu all over again, like 2016, 2020. Trump's, excuse me, a Russian spy, and he's a racist. That's what they're trying this again. It doesn't work. We know he's not. But here's what they're flipping out about all weekend long, including the Fox News, by the way. Although I do appreciate it when my dad goes on there, and they have some pretty good hosts. But I'm sorry, a lot of those guys are uh, are no good and big-time Trump haters. So can I hear Donald Trump? This is Friday night talking to the conservative, I think it's the Black Conservative Union in South Carolina. It's a primarily black audience. These are uh, black conservatives, and uh, of which it's a growing, growing number. So what do they say that's got everybody so hot, please? I think that's why... The black people are so much on my side now because they see what's happening to me happens to them. Does that make sense? I've heard that. When I did the mugshot in Atlanta, you know that mugshot is number one. Elvis Presley is Elvis Presley's number two and Frank Sinatra's. They, they had Frank Sinatra for fighting and they had Elvis for, I don't know, something in a gas station. He tried to hold up a gas station. I don't know. Elvis. So Elvis is number two, but he was always number one. Mike. My, the mugshot, we've all seen the mugshot. And you know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. It's incredible. You see black people walking around with my mugshot. You know, they do shirts and they sell them for $19 a piece. It's pretty amazing. Millions. By the way, millions of these things have been sold. Oh, keep going. we got to get the rest. Anyway, it's so rich. And people are saying, that is racist what he said. What? How is, how, how, how? How? They're all just saying it's racist all weekend long, especially that Martha Raddatz on, on, on ABC. It's racist. Everyone's saying it's racist. How is that racist? How? I don't understand. You see, I was around for something called Black Lives Matter Summer. And then Black Lives Matter Summer became Black Lives Matter Fall and Black Lives Matter Winter. And now it's Black Lives Matter Country, a Black Lives Matter culture, Right. And you talk about systemic racism and the criminal justice system is so, you know, uh, racist and inherently racist and institutional racism. And it unfairly targets uh, people of color. Right. Especially young black men. Right. I hear that all the time from the fake news from everybody. So 
if that's the case, now let's do this in two different ways. Let's pretend that 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 the that, 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 that there's a lot of racism out there, right? That there is, and it's been geared against young black men, arresting them. Blah 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 blah. blah. Isn't it possible? I think anybody who's been arrested is not going to like the the system and the institution that arrested them. You realize white people and black people are arrested at an astonishingly high rate. Like over the course of your lifetime, whatever you look like, there is a damn good chance you're going to know somebody who got arrested and sent to jail. A damn good chance. I saw the figures. It's it's something crazy. It's like twenty six percent for white people and twenty nine percent for black people. It's it's very high. So, and in, in my own case, it's true. I mean, my gosh, uh, two two guys on on my block went to jail for long periods of time when I was growing up. Around the block, there was a guy who went to jail. Uh, at least three people I went to high school with went to jail. Um, guys in the military went to jail. I added it up. I, I I think I know like 20 people who actually served time in prison. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a mobster. <laughs> right? I'm just, I, I, I was in the Marine Corps and then I was in broadcast. I worked for this corporation, that corporation. I know a lot of people who went to jail. So um, if you happen to be black, it's possible if you look at the numbers that you know even more people who have gone to jail. And if you listen to the media... They will tell you how inherently unfair it is when people of color go to jail, right? Because the whole system is skewed that way. So it's, in a weird way, potentially logical. I think it's logical that you would see a mugshot. Some people see a mugshot, and it would prompt somebody to reevaluate. They thought, the left thought, that once they started arresting Donald Trump, People would run for the hills, that we'd wash our hands of this guy and, and never again, right? It's over. Well, the opposite happened because we know him and we know him well and we know where he's coming from and we can see this and I can read the indictments and I know the cases are a sham. Not everybody is going to go through that kind of work. I understand that. Um, people are all, nobody really wants to do that. But the imagery is incredibly important. And you, you know what? You don't even have to do all that stuff. The American people get it in intuition is very, very powerful in America, and they understand, and there's kind of like osmosis almost out there. So I can totally see um, communities in America, white communities, black communities, looking at that mugshot and saying, it doesn't add up. And you know what? Especially in, in the black community, where there are more arrests than in the white community. And one could argue more unfair arrests, right? That's what I heard from the mainstream media for decades and decades and decades. Well, especially since 2020. So the whole idea is, um, it, well, it just makes sense what Trump said that people would see the mugshot and think it's kind of badass. I think it's kind of badass. Hey, you know what I'm looking at right now? I'm looking at Marine One landing, uh, the president's helicopter landing on the helipad in lower Manhattan, which is an awesome sight. I don't know why it's so awesome. It's just a helicopter. It's a pretty old helicopter, but it's that dark olive green with the white top. And here it is coming for a landing, coming in for a landing with the president of the United States on board. Marine One. Marine One. Can you believe that, by the way? All the, you know, they had, how does a helicopter get to New York? 
Think about that. How does the helicopter actually get here? They don't fly it here. It's too far to fly from Washington. So they put it in another bigger plane, and they got to fly that thing up. And then they unload it, and they did that like four days ago. And then not only what happens if Marine 1 breaks down? Well, you got to have Marine 2. you got to have a backup helicopter. And guess what? They have the press. They have press, and the press get to ride in helicopters too, so they got a helicopter for them. Because after all, you can't have the President of the United States uh, – drive into manhattan from kennedy airport no well how, how could you do that you gotta fly him in a helicopter and you can't have him take the subway i get that you can't have him take a taxi cab so they shut down the entire fdr drive they do this for every president and he's going to come up here and he's going to come right outside this window here 49th and third he's going to come right by and if i could i would figure out a way to uh do these do these bulletproof windows go up and down? No, they don't, unfortunately. They're just fixed in place. So they're not budging. They're not budging. But I would love to heckle him. I would love to go out there. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. When's he going to be here? Soon. Soon. All right. I want to show you something or play something for you. We have time. This is a little bit personal to me. But the fake news... Any time, anyone who's ever been written about knows it's fake. They know it. And my dad has been written about, uh, he's been making the news for a good portion of his life. But it really started to, it really started in earnest in the mid 1980s. I was still in high school and there were a lot of stories written about him. And I knew from him firsthand and I, since knowing him firsthand that a lot of the stuff they wrote was wrong. To this day, even nice pieces written about him by people who like him. They always get stuff wrong. Big things, little things, they just, it's just inherent. If I wrote, if I came to profile your father or your mother and write a whole big thing about your family, I'm going to make mistakes. Mistakes will be made. It's not, it doesn't mean it's fake. Sometimes it's fake. This guy is fake, who you're about to hear from. His name is Clyde Haberman. And he's one of the most um, credentialed New York Times guys to go through there in a long time. He was the bureau chief. He was the foreign correspondent. He wrote editorials. He was a columnist. He's like uh, he's one of the most accomplished guys at the New York Times. And he stinks. And I always knew he stunk. I always knew it. And today, I guess my dad was on New York uh, was on Fox News, and he said, "Well, uh, quality of life has gone down in New York." So Clyde Haberman comes out and says, "Fact check." Homicides are down and shootings are down. Well, first of all, that's, he was talking about quality of life. You know, I've been in New York a long time. I've only seen somebody get killed in Iraq. I've never seen somebody shot in New York. Have you? We're not talking about that, Clyde. We're talking about having to ask the manager of the drugstore to open a plastic cube so we can get toothpaste. We don't like doing that. We don't like seeing homeless all over the place. We don't like seeing that shoplifting has essentially been legalized. We see it, we know it, we feel it, except for you, Clyde. Well, here's proof that the dude is totally fake news. And I found an interview a couple of years ago. He thought nobody was watching. Well, I'm watching. And here he is confessing that he makes up stories. He makes stuff up. Makes it up. Go ahead with that, please. He's talking to Tony Guida. Remember that dude? Used to be on Channel 2. And go ahead. You were a stringer, I think, for the Times when you were at CCNY. And given that experience, who would have thunk 
you would have a very fine, more than 40-year ex- uh, career at the time. Tell us that story. Oh, my old sin. You're going to make me trot out my old sin. I was a stringer, which is a part-time correspondent, mm-hmm. uh, a term that comes from the fact that once upon a time, uh, you were paid. Actually, I was paid by the length of the piece, uh, but before my day, the length was measured on a longest string, which was marked quarter of a column long, half a column, and so on. Hence the word stringer. Uh, and uh, I, I uh, stupidly, in a long list of uh, awards in tiny type that were being given at CCNY, made up a fake uh, with a salacious reference to a Ernest Hemingway character, Jake Barnes, from mm-hmm. The Sun Also Rises. And it was very amusing to me and not at all amusing to A.M. Rosenthal, the Metro editor. Stop! This was bare. He made up a fake. He made up a fake is what he said. I can't tell. Then he's throwing it on Ernest Hemingway. I can't tell if it's a fake quote or something like that, but he made up a fake. He made up something in the New York Times. Keep going. In the, you know, oh, it's buried in like three columns of what's called agate type. It's the kind of type that you see for uh, box scores on sports events. And uh, uh, I, I gave the death blow to that list. They never, they never ran it again. Uh, and, uh, and I was banished, and I wound up at the New York Post and then made my way back to the Times uh, roughly ten years later. Um, and, you know, a lot of people think it's an amusing story, and it is on one level. Uh, it's only three lines of, you know, minuscule type. But when a- Abe Rosenthal, A.M. Rosenthal, died in 2006, I wrote a column on how the guy who fired me was right. And because by then we'd had the scandal of the execrable Jason Blair, and USA Today was reeling from made-up stories by a guy named Jack Kelly, uh, there had been Stephen Glass at the uh, New Republic, yeah. Janet, famous Janet Cook uh, inventing a, a, an eight-year-old heroin addict who didn't Post. exist for the Washington Post, on and on. And there were, I mean, those were Class A felonies commit compared to my misdemeanor, but they were all crimes, including my minor thing, because I violated the basic rule. We don't knowingly put falsehoods in the paper. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Newspaper is not a cathedral, certainly a newsroom is not, but we do have a concept of sin, and that is cardinal sin. And uh, um, we make mistakes, we do put falsehoods in the paper, but not knowingly. And despite the blather coming from uh, an unnamed person in Washington about fake news, it ain't. It's real. Sometimes it's incorrect, but it's incorrect for human error. But uh, not- Except when you, made up, when you made up something. You made it up. You made it up. And why they are so finished with their readers, finished with the people. Oh, what a gem this is. What a gem. Because we are better than ever at catching fake news. Readers know more than these guys. So they have hunkered down and now they're just, they're almost owning the fake news. But one of the most prestigious guys, prestigious in quotes, nailed early in his career, for inventing something that was fake and he knew it was fake. Yet he gets back to the paper and he continues with the fake crap. I busted this guy. Um, That's something. I'm not done with this. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Traffic jams tailgating, pile-ups. 
Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. So this guy, I'm just... (laughs) He writes another big essay about how, oh, what an important message, uh, what an important lesson I learned from Abe Rosenthal, the editor, who said, you don't write fake things in the paper. Uh, You needed anybody to tell you that? (laughs) Anybody ever? This guy's psychotic. This guy's totally psychotic. Uh, At one point, I saw him. He was interviewing my dad in in the early 2000s, I guess it was. And crime was going down, and and Clyde was one of these guys who thought that oh, crime's going to spiral because Rudy's no longer there. But crime kept going down, and he said his 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 takeaway was that must that must mean that people are getting nicer. Just people are getting nicer. That's why crime is going down. People are getting nicer. Uh, has nothing to do with police uh, uh, aggressive tactics, proactive policing. No, no none of that stuff. Just people are nicer because they didn't want to give the credit to the police. Uh, what else about this that's so annoying to me? Um, that this guy could actually be out there pretending that he can fact check somebody like Ray Kelly. Hey, you know what, Clyde? You should fact check your daughter. Okay? I know you're beaming with pride every time you turn around. Somebody's Maggie Haberman this, Maggie Haberman that. Go look at my Twitter where I catch Maggie making numerous factual errors in her book, about Trump, the confidence man, right? Numerous factual errors. And also moments where she actually copies the work of others, right? And she's really not that good at all. Just uh, it's got this mien, this like I've been there, done that kind of aura, whatever. You know, I talked to Trump. I know Trump. I This is exactly what's happening. I was going to tell you exactly what's happening. Says he uh, actually writes this. Uh, let's see here. He's writing his column, but he gets bored. I committed then what would seem an act of career seppuku. See how he's being cute? I invented a fake prize. I invented a fake prize while he's talking about the City University of New York handing out prizes. He invents a fake one. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.